I'm Sean Bowles, and I want to welcome you to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I have a passion for how the prophetic gifts can change the world around us. They make simple, everyday people like you and I a catalyst for life-changing experiences with the supernatural. On this podcast, I have friends from all different backgrounds who each have a powerful story to tell about how the prophetic is shaping their world. I invite you to be part of the conversation. This is Exploring the Prophetic. We were out in the Washington, D.C., Baltimore area, and it was amazing because we had a man named Joseph Harris who leads a church out there and a community out there who I heard about who ended up helping us to host our event uh, for an all-day God Secret Seminar, Words and Knowledge Seminar. And I found out about Joseph before I got there that he had been on uh, one of the cooking network shows and had won the show as America's Best uh, Chef and Home Chef. And so he, and then he was on a number of the other shows. And he ended up cooking for us during the event as well, the whole time for us and our volunteers. And it was phenomenal. It was like so crazy that he's actually cooking at one of our events coming up as well as becoming the chef of some of our events, which is amazing. But Joseph spiritually carries an anointing to see how to build. I just think it's a kingdom building, like an apostolic anointing to build kingdom in different spheres. And he's raising up people locally in the D.C. area, in the Baltimore area. Just he's not just in in the context of local church, but he's raising up people to kingdom mindset to occupy spaces that not many people are thinking about. He's a lead pastor of Love Center Church, and uh, he's also a celebrity chef in his own right. And I love that he competed on the All Star Academy just recently on the Food Network, and he's the best home cook in America. Like I said, and we've experienced his cooking; it's true. But this man is prophetic as you get. I love this man. And so his perspective as being a celebrity chef and an apostolic leader of the body of Christ, you won't want to miss this episode. Those two things don't often go together. And before we hear from Joseph, who's just a riot, who's so much fun, we're going to share one of our products we have for you. Words of knowledge are such a confusing topic until you understand the biblical framework about them. They appear over 60 times in scriptures in both Old and New Testament, and it's so practical and understanding God's heart and mind when you just get it. So I wrote a book called God's Secrets, how to develop a lifestyle of walking in words and knowledge. I want to encourage you to get the book. It's on audiobook. It's an ebook. You can also get the course. But if you go on this journey with us, something's going to happen inside of you where you're going to find yourself knowing what's in God's heart and relating those thoughts in everyday situations. And people are going to respond to you very differently. You're going to create opportunities and choices that didn't exist before hearing from God this way. Come on the journey of knowing God's mind, his intentions for the world around you. It'll change you and it'll change your friends and family. www.bullsministries.com. Today we have a special treat because we have a podcast for us with our very own Pastor Joseph here from this region. It was amazing. And he's going to share some of his story. Well, come on up, Pastor Joseph. Let's. Here we go. Well, thanks for helping us with this event. Absolutely. It's Seriously. an honor to have you guys here. Oh, my gosh. Well, I, I love whenever anybody says it's an honor to have us anywhere. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, on Exploring the Prophetic, we explore how God's voice is actually shifting culture or changing lives. And you've had a very unique history. We just had a talk behind the scenes about yeah. how you come from kind of a word of faith background, but yeah. get totally transformed at a global awakening event. Yes. And God just sets you on a new trajectory of oh, life yeah. and ministry. 
And some of what happened, that's, uh, I think we can go to the low-hanging fruit first, some of the stuff that people know you for. Sure. And what's happened was you were on a cooking competition show. Yeah. How did that happen in the midst of all this crazy ministry stuff you're doing? Sure, yeah. So um, in 2014, I uh, was, I think I was just in my house and the Lord told me, he said, I want you to quit your job. And I was like, I'm not quitting my job. <laughs> I was working, um, I was an advocate for um, individuals with developmental disabilities. And uh, I was responsible to get them into college and uh, get them acclimated in community. And um, I loved my job. The pay was horrible, but I loved my job. Um, so I was like, Lord, I'm not quitting my job. And he was like, yes, you are. No, I'm not. So, you know, the Bible says, come, let us reason together. I reasoned. I, I love that scripture because <laughs> I reason. Anybody reason with God sometimes? I, I, I love that <laughs> scripture. So I reasoned with them. I was like, I'm, I'm not doing it for eight months. I said, no, not doing it. And he's like, quit your job. Not doing it. So I finally said yes, because I love him. So I said, Lord, okay, I'll do it. I quit my job. Uh, I was doing a, uh, I was actually at Voice of the Apostles, uh, helping lead worship down there in uh, Florida when they were having it there with Randy Clark and Global Awakening. And um, I came home. And when I came home, I checked my email. I was at a Bible study. Uh, and I checked my email. And I got this random email from the Food Network asking me to audition for a cooking show that they were uh, launching, a new cooking show. And I'm like, this is fake. Now, how would they know to email you? How would that even... Uh, that is still... A mystery. A, a mystery. Wow. I have no idea. So I'm a home cook at heart. Um, anybody that knows me knows I love to cook. And yeah, there's some people that's had some goodness and mercy. <laughs> so uh praise the lord amen i, I, I know I, I had some goodness and mercy he today, did today. He i was did. like there's these bars let me just tell you like this is i'm it's kind of bad because when you eat really good food it marks you for the rest of your life yes and then you crave it and i'm like if i i need to know you just so i can get those out of you Come again on. yeah i love you for you but i also love you for what i ate today as a million people all say that as well <laughs> So, but anyway, um, I uh, got that email randomly and I'm like, okay, okay, this is fake. I show my best friend and uh, he's like, well, just try it. So I prayed about it and I was like, okay, maybe I will. And um, there's uh, two great people, Rory and Darlene Curry, raise your hand. They, um, I was at their house church a year before and Darlene was just praying over me. She's like, Joseph, I just feel like, you know, God's doing great things with your ministry and just different things. She's like, but there's something about the cooking. Just don't put it wow. too far away. Just like God's going to do something with that. So I was like, okay, whatever. Put it on the back burner, whatever. So I see that and that word comes up in my heart when I see this message. And I'm like, okay, I'll take a chance. My pastors at the time told me, they're like, just take a chance. So I was like, okay, I'll take a chance. They called me within two hours. Wow. And they said, you are exactly who we're looking for. So you have to go through this audition process. And I mean, to God be the glory, like I didn't have to go to a public audition or anything like that. They said, just, you know, come to a private audition. And it was a mess too. Like I was sweating and the dish that I had made, I was hoping they had a microwave where I could find a Whole Foods that was nearby the studio so that I could heat it up. 
because uh, anyway, I won't even say what I did. But um, anyway, uh, I couldn't heat it up. <laughs> oh, no. And when I opened it, it had spilled everywhere. It was a gumbo oh. that I had made. And it had spilled everywhere. I'm like, I'm not getting this. This is terrible. I'm sweating, trying to do this casting call or whatever. And they're asking me questions and stuff. And lo and behold, I get called back and all that goodness. And um, a couple months later... I was um, pumping gas at a gas station, and I was with Roy again. It's funny. Um, and he's like, hey, can you tell me about this competition that you're going to win or that you're a part of and um, how much money is the first prize? And I was like, well, it's a competition. It's you become the best home cook in America, and you win $50,000. Wow. And I said, Roy, I never told you I was going to be a part of a competition or anything. He's like, oh, I know. God just told me that. And wow. He was like, just you're going to win and you're going to win the first prize. That's what I saw. And I was like, okay, I a call back or anything. Weeks later, I got a call back from the network and they said, we're considering you for the final cast and we would like to offer you that contract. And the um, executive producer uh, called me and she said, I wanted to let you know, she was like, we really fought for you. Don't tell anybody this, but anyway, if you know who you are, just don't say anything. But um, <laughs> she said, don't tell anybody. She's like, but we really fought for you to be on wow. this network because she said, they kept saying, there's something in you. There's this light coming out of him and we want that on TV. Wow. And she said, I'm a pastor's kid, so I knew what it was. And she said, so I fought for you to be on this TV wow. show. So I was like, okay, God, thank you for favor. Now, mind you, every bit of, uh, it wasn't just a cooking show. It was a cooking competition. It was an eight-week cooking competition. So it was very hard. Um, it looks fancy on TV, but it is every bit how many, hard How many work. days did they shoot it over Oh, it was a couple of weeks. Um, It was a couple of weeks. And um, the longer I stayed, more people knew I didn't get kicked off, I guess. So um, because, you know, you can't say anything because they pre-tape it, you know, and then you're under contract and you can't break it. Otherwise, you have to pay a million dollars or something like that. So anyway, um, so I ended up um, uh, going there um, to start filming and I'm feeling super like uh, uh, unqualified to be there. I'm a home cook. I make meatloaf and mashed potatoes and that's it. And they're wanting like, you know, a Michelin star, you know, presentation (laughs) and all this stuff. And I'm like, God, I I can't do that. Um, and, uh, so I started the competition and I got on the team that I, um, actually didn't want to be on his team. Anybody know who Bobby Flay is? Um, he's a great chef. Um, he's like the king of food network. Um, and, um, uh, I ended up getting on his team. So I'm like, okay, great. Kind of keep on the low rank. Um, uh, like being quiet. It was like, I was doing good. And they were like, kind of paying attention to him, but paying attention to other people that seemed to be excelling even more. And I just kept creeping slowly and slowly and slowly. And Bobby's like, I think you might have what it takes to win this whole thing. And every time that I would go out, remember I make meatloaf and mashed potatoes. So they're like one challenge. They were like, we want you to take, um, this is my favorite one, take uh, marshmallows and turn it into a savory dish. Oh, that's interesting. So I was like, uh, "How do me? That doesn't work with my mask." Did the anointing potatoes. work? Yeah, did it you hear did. From God? So we're talking about a word of knowledge. I would see this picture literally every time wow. I went out on set. I would see a picture come up in my spirit, 
and I knew what to cook. And it was things that I've never cooked before. Wow. So with that one, it was the marshmallows. Yeah, glory to God. Wait, how many of you want to go on who, who wants to be a millionaire now? Yeah, right. With words of knowledge. <laughs> come on. <laughs> I'm waiting for that lottery ticket one to exactly. come up, you know. Exactly. I'm joking. I'm not, you know, advocating lottery. So just in case we got anybody religious in the house. But... Um, <laughs> Anyway, praise the Lord. God bless you. Um, <laughs> anyway, I uh, <laughs> forgive me, Jesus. <laughs> anyway, uh, I would see those things come up in my heart, these visions every time I did it. And with that one, particularly, I saw the marshmallow melting and I saw this blue cheese dressing and I was like, I can make blue cheese dressing kind of sweet. So I was like, I saw this play on like a chicken, like a buffalo wing, but with a blue cheese marshmallow dressing. Oh, wow. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. Turned out it was great. Wow. You know, it was good. So I keep pressing up, pressing up, pressing up, and it's getting harder and harder and harder, of course. And every time I wanted to quit, I probably almost quit three times. Literally from the day I got there, I was like, I'm quitting. I'm not doing this. Uh, I just did because uh, I was so intimidated and scared. There were people that had done other TV shows that had been on Top Chef and all this stuff. I'm like, I make meatloaf and mashed potatoes, you know. And um, uh, so anyway, uh, every time I wanted to quit, that word that Roy gave me would come up in my spirit. Wow. And I would hear, you're going to win the first prize and you're going to win $50,000 and so I was like, okay. And then the last episode, it was really tough because like the semifinals or whatever. And I got, uh, I had to cook three dishes all together. And the first two did not do well. Almost mm. got kicked off. And I was literally getting ready to quit. And this, I got like a second wind that came over me. And he reminded me again of that word. The Lord did. And um, literally I was standing there at the finale and it was me and another girl. And um, uh we were standing there and me thinking, I was like, okay, I'm going home. You would think after all these times God confirmed this word, I would believe him, but I didn't. So I'm like, okay, I'm going home. I quit my job. I got to do this when I get home. Literally, as they're getting ready to announce the winner, I'm going through this in my mind. And you can, if you watch the show, you can watch it. You'll know like what's going And I'm just like, okay, I'm going to go do that. And they say, and the winner um, of All-Star Academy is Joseph Harris. Literally, my eyes have never been bulged so big because I literally could not believe it. I I was like, this is, no, what? I could not believe it, you know, but it was amazing (laughs) to see how God used the prophetic even in that and realizing too as well for me that he didn't just want me on a TV show. Like he wanted to bless me, of course, which I was grateful for. Mind you, $50,000 does not last you as long as you think it would. Um, He told me, he was like, I want you to save some, spend some, and give a lot of it. And I did that. He said, and it'll go as quickly as it came. How many of you know it did? Uh, Real quick. I'm like, what happened? It it just went away. Um, But... uh, But thank you, Jesus. I was able to bless people and do things that they'd never only, you know, only dreamed of doing. Um, and God enabled me to do that. And, um, but while I was on the TV show, I did not realize that he wanted me there to minister to the other talent that was there. And not just the, the, the people that were competing, it was the other chefs. Wow. And Bobby Flay in particular, and many people that know him, I always say he is the best person most amazing man you want to be friends with if you know him if you don't it's probably a good idea to stay away from him because <laughs> he's an italian no he's i think he's an irish new yorker so he's very 
hard. Yeah. yeah, very intense. And he won't even speak to you if he doesn't know you, like, just walk by you and not even acknowledge you. Um, so everyone's like, you know, real st- stoic with him and all this stuff. And I'm just like, hey, what's up? You know, just loving and, you know, being myself. And it was his birthday while we were shooting and we had gotten closer or whatever. And I asked the Lord, I was like, Lord, what do I get this man? He's a millionaire. And he said, he doesn't have a handwritten note from you. I said, that's true. He doesn't. So I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what do you want me to say to him? And he gives me things to say to him. And, you know, um, just to affirm who he is outside of TV, you know, just like who he really is, who God has called him to be and a man that he loves and values and appreciates. And I let him know I was praying for him. And little did I know he was going through a kind of a divorce at that time or the beginning stages of a divorce and all this stuff. So I sent it to him and not even realizing he would read it or anything. And he came out to set, I'll never forget. And he looked at me, he said, Hey, I wanted to thank you. I got your note. He said, that was really, really special to me. And he looked at me, he said, you're, you're different. He said, you're not like everybody else. You're not. He's like, you don't treat me like everybody else. He said, and I, I just wanted to say how special that is. Wow. He said, I want to say thank you. And we still keep in contact today. And I'll minister to him every now and again. And when the Lord tells me to, you know, because people like that, it's best not to be weird and be like, well, I got a prophetic word for you, Bobby. <laughs> Come on. Jesus is going to crash in on you. He'd be like, uh, and delete. You know, he, w- he wouldn't, you know. So, but just to see how God used that to not just deposit things in my spirit to make an impact in my life and change in my life, um, he did that for him too as well. And seeing wow. how the prophetic just I always say God, God's purposes are plural. He doesn't have one purpose. It has a purpose within a purpose within a purpose within a wow. purpose. Right. So within that purpose, he knew me being on that television show, he could come in and teach me about yielding to the prophetic as well as use that yielding to minister to someone else too as well. That's so awesome. So it's just amazing. So that's that story. No, so thank you for sharing that story. Yeah, thank you. And what's happening now with like being a chef and cooking? Yeah, and was there wasn't there another show? Or there there was, other? yeah. There was a couple. Um, I've done a couple of events, uh, and I've done a couple of other TV shows with the network. Because um, once you're in, you're in. They use you, you know. Um, but um, recently, I've had to turn some down because we started the church, yeah. and the Lord told me to lay it down for a season. So, but it's you know picking back up again soon. Um, but it's been great. Like I'll go all over the world. Many people know I travel all over the world to minister, and I will go places and. I didn't know the show was there. And they're like, hey, aren't you Joseph? Aren't you on Food Network? Aren't you the best home cook in America? And everyone always says, can you cook for me? No, I don't know you. You know, I'm I'm, I'm just visiting, you know. But, yeah, it's amazing just to see how God has (laughs) You shouldn't say, no, I don't know you. You should say, for $10,000, I can't. (laughs) Okay, we talking now. I'm joking. (laughs) You just put a really good price tag on it. Yeah, yeah. I'll do it. That's what Beyonce used to say. I don't do birthday parties. And then someone paid her $2 million. She said, I do birthday parties. Yeah, Somebody (laughs) asked me that one time. They were like, oh, can you do this event? And it was just right after I won the show. And so I had a manager and all this stuff. And what I could ask for, they were like, you know, and I'm not, like, I don't do that for ministry. Like, I if the Lord tells me to go somewhere, we'll pay our own way and be a blessing. And if people, you know, they want to sow into the offering of, you know, going to do the work further, then that's fine. But I don't go on a financial arrangement and which is nothing wrong with that too, as well. I, I bless that and um, believe that that's God too. But just for me, I, I, I don't do that. 
And so with the network, though, I was like, well, that's another story. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm like, this is work and it's work. <laughs> so you need to get paid. And they were like, well, do you know how much you could ask? And I didn't. Then they told me, I was like, okay. So this person reached out to me and they were like, yeah, we want to do this and have this big event. And they were friends. And they were like, we wanted to get you something like a watch or, you know. Um, and I was like, well, um, unless it's like, you know, ten or $15,000 watch, then you might have to convert that into cash or a check <laughs> or something. Yeah. And then I'll get my own self a watch, you yeah, know. Exactly. But people, you know, and one woman, she reached out to me. She's like, can you do teach my daughter how to cook? And I was like, sure, I don't have a problem with that. But I was like, don't go through the network because they'll charge you all this money. And she's like, well, how much is it? Then I told her and she was like, oh, I was only going to offer you like 50 bucks to do it. And I was like, she was like, actually, I'm just not even going to do it just for that fact. So, but anyway, not to say you can ask me to do things, but you know. no, I will say this though, cause I like this point and this is good for in the context of evaluating yourself. I think one of the things of working with the network is it makes it more serious, like, um, to where, you know, your own evaluation. Cause I, I remember going to this one family and I've told the story. Some of you might've heard the story if you've heard me, but I went to this one family's house. It was right after a Sunday service and we have artists sometimes paint, and at that time, we had a lot of really serious artists that were like, that's what they did. That was her bread and butter. One of them, though, she just graduated a master's degree and was now teaching art, and she did mixed-media art. So one of the pieces is worth, like, you know, one of her pieces would, just, just for materials, would cost two or $300. And then would probably be worth five to 12000 just as far, as far as her college evaluation. So uh, a woman came into her church and said, hey, can I, can I buy that? And she goes, sure. And she goes, how much do you want to charge me? She goes, whatever you feel from God. Because her name is Chloe. I'll just say Chloe. That's not a real name, but I'll say Chloe. And she goes, I don't know how to charge someone in the church for my art or whatever. And she goes, okay, here's $25 and took the picture. It was $200 worth of materials. So the woman who bought it didn't know. Wow. So I go to two houses for dinner that week. And the first one was this woman and, who bought the art piece. And I, I um, go over and next to the trash can was a piece of art. And I said, are you throwing that away? Is that one of Chloe's arts? And she goes, yeah, is that wrong? It's, it doesn't look good in my house at all. I mean, it was only 25 bucks. I mean, it can't be that big of a deal. And I go, no, can I give you $25 and take that back to her? Because that's actually, yeah, that's- I do art, and that's like two or $300 worth of supplies. She goes, oh, I feel so, so terrible now. Uh. And I was like, it's really interesting. So the, ne- the next day, I went to another people's house for dinner. And on their wall was a Janet Hewn. And Janet Hewn's a well-known artist in our area. And she, um, her art is worth like, you know, like five to $25,000. Her worship artists run three to 5000 and so someone came up to her and asked, you know, we really want that for a house. How much would it cost? She goes, I might be able to do it for like 3000 on this one. And they go, oh, I can never afford that. Is there any way you can go down? She goes, I don't really go down on my heart unless God tells me. She's like, will you pray? She's like, okay. So she <laughs> prays. And the woman comes back to, after after the service. She goes, you know what? I feel like I'm supposed to do it for you. You can make four payments of this much. And it was like 2000 instead. And or maybe it was 1500 or something. I walked into that house. And it's prominently displayed in their dining room. And she goes, I have a Janet Hewn. I only had it for this much, but it's worth this much. It's amazing. It's like a legacy piece for her family because she's never owned a real piece of art before. So for her, that was a really big deal for that piece of art. And it it showed me, because I just heard something in you, it showed me that a lot of Christians don't rightly evaluate themselves. Spiritually, we won't get the full value out of you until we evaluate you. So I actually teach a lot of itinerant ministries on how to come into a financial agreement that's not based on contracts, but it's based on expectation. And also when people are cooking, or because we have all entertainers and creative people, to actually tell the price. Because if you came to my event and did it for 4000 instead of 10000 
I mean, in my heart, I'd be like, I got $10,000 worth of chef for $4,000. God favored me. Because it creates a place of favor. It creates a place of where people are, or if you train this girl's daughter for $50, and she goes, oh my gosh, I just got like a $15,000 gift for my daughters. It becomes part of their value of who they are then. We learn how to install our value. So I'm saying this for you, and I'm saying this for everyone listening, that I, and I know this is kind of a weird topic in the middle of an Exploring the Prophetic Podcast, because I really want your story, not mine. But in the midst of it, I feel like there's something about who you are as a person I'm prophesying to you that God is going to call great, you, greatly valued. And part of the value you're going to give away is who you are as a person, as a chef, as a minister, as a speaker, that once there's an evaluation and all those things, that when you say, I can actually come in for this much, and it's, they're going to feel like when someone gets a sale at you know Nordstrom's and they bought a $5,000 purse for $2,000, they're like, I got the purse, you know. They're going to feel like they got something of high price, but God favored them. And I feel like you are a man of favor who's going to be highly favored, and you're going to give that favor away with your own value. So, okay. All of that, to give you a word. That took a long time. Well, let's go into something a little bit more personal, and that's very personal, but a little bit more personal. I, I feel like one of the subjects that I love that we talked about was how you felt like you heard something from God, and it didn't play out. And sometimes we have those question marks, or sometimes... Sometimes we can say, oh, I heard wrong. Sometimes we can't. We just don't even know. And so let's go down memory lane a little bit and talk about that journey. I don't know where you'd want to start on that. Sure. Um, It was right actually before um, the Food Network uh, experience. Um, It was uh, probably in 2012. Um, I was dating uh, uh, my, you know, fiance at the time, and uh, we were engaged to be married, and we had known each other for a while, and all these great things. And I knew, we knew, we both knew we were supposed to get married. Um, we had prayed about it and had this amazing experience. And the Lord, you know, it was like angels came down and the voice of God, you know, and shine and light. And it was crazy. It really was. I was like, wow, okay. It was amazing years before. And we remained friends and stuff. And then we got closer and started dating. And then we were engaged to be married. And, um, she uh, is a, um, a part of a very well-known um, ministry family, which I won't say. And um, um, at that time, um, she was living in another state. And she told me, you know, hey, you know you're going to have to move to uh, this state um, for us to be married. And I was like, uh, no, I don't think so. And then I got a text that said, I am so-and-so, and I'm such-and-such family, and you can't tell me what to do, and da-da. And I'm like, uh, okay, what's this? And so I'm like, Lord, I am not moving. Just a little bit of entitlement there. Yeah. <laughs> and he told me, he said, you know, you're going to have to move. I said, crap, man. <laughs> I was like, okay. And he said, but, he said, but it won't be for long. I said, okay. That's what I said. I was like, okay. All right, fine. So I ended up moving. Talk about like, even I didn't tell you this, but before I moved, my mom had a um, major stroke uh, a month before I was leaving. And, or two months before, yeah, no, it was a month before I was leaving, picking up and moving my entire life uh, to another um, um, uh, state. And so when that happened, I said, I'm not moving. I, I can't move. I was like, I'm sorry, God. He said, no, you're moving. And I was like, God, this doesn't make any sense. I got to be here for my mom. And, uh, 
He's like, no, you're moving. So anyway, thank God for my brother and my sister who's here. My twin brother's up doing the sound and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they helped. Um, uh, my brother wasn't married at the time, so um, he was there to help. And my sister, too, as well. And um, so I ended up moving. Uh, I go and help them plant a church and help them um, uh, ministering there and all that goodness. And just enjoying life, getting ready to get married. And, um, I, we plan her, she and I plan to come home back home to Maryland in December of that year, uh, to, uh, so I could introduce her to my family and, you know, ministry friends and all that goodness. And, uh, as I was, I was going to go on a cruise during that time as well. And, um, I was buying my ticket. I was going with my best friend at the time and I was buying my tickets, you know, all that stuff to travel. And I was buying my return flight ticket to go back home to where I had moved to. And when I did, the Lord spoke to me. He said, don't buy your ticket. He said, buy your ticket to go home. I was like, that's what I'm doing. He said, don't go back to the city. He said, go back to Baltimore. I said, Lord, my home's not in Baltimore. I live in this place. He said, I said, buy your ticket to go to Baltimore. I said it again. Remember, I said, come let us reason together. Don't listen. Don't do what I do. Okay. Uh, I reasoned with him a lot about things. But anyway, which is a terrible thing to say. But um, I... uh, Reason with him. I said, Lord, I live in wherever. He said, okay. That was it. So I go uh, back home and all this stuff and introduce her to everybody and everybody's known and you know we're getting married and all that stuff. We end up breaking up while we're here. And it was an awful breakup. Um, you know, I've never been through divorce, but, um, or, you know, don't even know what that experience is like, but if it had anything to do with what I felt, I never would want to be divorced. Um, cause it felt like the two of us were ripping apart. I never felt that before. And I knew I was like, okay, this isn't, something's not right about this. It was agony. And, um, I'll never forget my pastors at the time, uh, pastor David actually is here, uh, David and Tracy, I was at their house and, um, I'm getting suicidal and all this stuff. And I was in the bathroom, like trying to hang myself and I'll never forget pastor Tracy came in and she knocked on the door and she's like, Hey, what's going on? What are you doing? No one knew what I was getting ready to do. And God just stopped. Mercy came in right there. And, um, uh, I'll never forget. I don't even know if you remember this. He came into my, into the room where I was and he said, Joseph, he said, I wanted to let you know. He said, you have to remember that sometimes he said, um, a lot of times when things don't work out the way that we thought, he said, you have to remember that there's wills involved. You have a will. God has a will. She has a will. And he said, right now, you know, she's choosing not to do what the will of God was. We could both tell you today we were supposed to be married. Just we didn't choose to love each other the way that we needed to. And part of that is dying to your flesh and not being prideful and stuck on your own and saying, hey, well, this is how I'm going to, you know, have my marriage. And, you know, this is my vision and this is what I want it to be. And this is what you're going to do. She even tried to tell me, uh, we were talking about like going through counseling and stuff and like when we would want to stop having children and stuff. She's like, well, you're going to get fixed. And I was like, uh, how are you going to tell me what I'm going to do with my own body? You know, and I should have known then I was like, this isn't going to (laughs) work. But anyway, praise the Lord anyhow. Um, but I'll never forget, (laughs) When he came in, he said that, and I was like, okay, I still was trying to reason it in my heart with what I knew God had told me, with what the reality was that I was seeing in front of me, and it was jarring. It was very scary for me, and I still was feeling depressed and suicidal and 
all this stuff. So I ended up going on the cruise. It was awful and tried to kill myself again. It was just terrible. And I was in Atlanta uh, at the time when I was getting ready to fly home. I called my ex on the phone and I'm like, let's just try one more time to get this to work. And she's like, um, why are you coming back here? There's nothing for you to come back to. She's a lovely woman, by the way. Um, I said, uh, she's like, there's nothing for you to come back to. You can't come back to, you know, the house you were staying at. My family won't receive you. No one will receive you. You have, And I'm like, but what did God say? Didn't God say this? And didn't God? And she said, well, we must have missed God. We had to have missed God because this wouldn't have turned out this way if, we, if it was God. And I said, I guess you're right. As soon as when I said that, I'll never forget this. I felt something come sit on my shoulder. And it whispered. It was like somebody was stroking my face. I'll never forget that. And it said, oh, yeah, I guess you missed God. I was like, yeah, I guess so. And he said, well, how do you know you ever heard God? I said, you're right. Remember, I'm questioning everything because I compromised truth in that moment, what God had told me based on what I was experiencing in front of me. And I, I said, well, I guess you're right. And he said, well, if you never heard him, how do you even know you're saved? I said, you're right. I don't. I, I don't. Based on this experience. So I started questioning everything I'd ever been taught. Everything. Every word, every speaker, every, I mean, you, you couldn't have gotten a better foundation. Like I was strong in the word and in prayer and intercession and all this stuff. I knew God, but in a way that, you know, I, I don't know him now, but uh, or I'm further now, I would say, but it was, I had no excuse to have that experience. Right. Well, and, heartbreak. Well, yeah. Heartbreak gives you. Absolutely. It does. It does. And so the enemy saw that opportunity um, and he came in and I'll never forget. It's the first time I ever felt dark and I'll never forget this. It felt like it was a a hole sitting right here. And every time he asked me that question and I agreed with it, I would feel it spread and it went just kept growing and growing. And um, so I called my mom, I called my family, I called everybody and I told them, I was like, hey, I'm questioning everything. I, I, I love you, but I was like, I, I won't speak to you the rest of my life because wow. it was anything that reminded me of what I had known up until that point, I wanted to distance myself from it. And so I just cut everyone off and, you know, my mom's crying and like freaking out and my sister is and my sister texts me and she's like, hey, Joe, I don't want to tell you what to do, but there is a friend of, mutual friend of ours that we had that's living in Atlanta. You should um, reach out to her. So she, the girl ended up reaching out to me and she's like, hey, she knew I was suicidal at that point. And she's like, hey, I just want to pick you up. I just want to hear what's going on. She's like, I don't want to tell you anything. Just, I, I just want to hear you talk and share your heart. So I agree, thank God, uh, to hear her, uh, uh, to have that experience. And she, I'll never forget, I was sitting in a restaurant and she let me share what was going on, and she then spoon-fed me back mm. to reality. Wow. She spoon-fed me with truth, and she's like, no, you do hear God. Yeah. You, you do know the truth. You do know the word. And she just, oh, my gosh, it was amazing. I'm so thankful to God for her to this day because wow. I wouldn't be sitting here. Literally, yeah. wouldn't. She spoon-fed me when I was so heartbroken and just an emotional wreck. Back to reality. And I never forget, I got home. I flew back home once I, you know, came to my senses, really. And I was sitting in my room and I said, Lord, okay, talk to me. 
what happened. Mm-hmm. He told me, he said, well, he said, the first thing is you disobeyed me. He said, I told you to buy your ticket to go back home to Baltimore. He said, none of this would have happened. You wouldn't have been in Atlanta. You wouldn't have been considering all of these things. And they thought you would not have been isolated because no one was there with me. He said, you wouldn't have been isolated if you did what I'd said. And I was like, you're, you're right. He said, the second thing was, he said, you didn't ask me how long you were going to be living there. He said, I told you it was going to be for a short time. I said, you're right. He said, you didn't ask me the details. Wow. So I said, that's true. He's like, don't just, and he showed me in that moment, don't just respond off of what you hear. Ask for the details. Go in for more. Okay, if you're telling me to start a church, where is it going to be? What's the name? What's the city? Who's the target group? Who's the audience? What type of ministry is it going to be? What's, when is it going to start? What time do you want it to start? So I knew in that moment, okay, learn to ask for the details. Keep going, but I want to just stop there in the sense of, yeah, that's worth that's worth hand clap. I like that. And uh, I think of like I think of that. I think when you're with somebody who's really profound, like if all of a sudden you're with a celebrity that you really respected or a political leader or something, you do get kind of shell shocked, and you and they tell you something like, "Hey, I want you to help me with this." You're like, "Okay," and you move on. But when you have deep relationship with someone, you actually would ask them a question. If somebody you know who's close to you said. Hey, I want to send you to, you know, could you go over for me to England and speak at this event? You would ask them, what kind of event? Where's the event? Who are the people that are going to be there? Why? You'd be prepared. You'd be preparing yourself by the information. And I think the distance we have in not asking those questions is we don't feel that intimate with God. It's true. And so when you were saying that, it really inspires me because I'm like, if we can get that one, he'll tell you everything. He'll tell you so much about what he's calling you to or what he's speaking to you about if we'll just ask the question. Okay, keep going. It's true. Um, And I actually wrote a book from that experience, from this experience. It's called Confession, I Hear God, A Journey into What Real Relationship Looks Like. So I have it back on the uh, back table. But um, this encompasses all of that. I learned what real relationship and real conversation looks like with God, what real intimacy looks like, not being afraid to ask questions. I'll never forget I was um, sitting in a service uh, and this woman that I know, her daughter had died unexpectedly. And um, she was sitting, it was in the Word of Faith church. Nothing wrong with Word of Faith. I love it. Woohoo! Uh, thank you, Jesus. Kenneth Cope is my spiritual father, so I love Word of Faith. Amen. Um, but um, I was sitting in a service, and uh, this woman's uh, daughter had just passed away unexpectedly. And she's, one of the things they always say is, like, don't question God. Yeah. Don't question God. Like, God is God, and he's sovereign. <laughs> And um, he does whatever he wants to do. Um, uh, when in reality, he is sovereign to his word. He does what his word says he does. Um, and we, you know, not trying to make that um, uh, reason it out based on an experience, right? And um, so I heard her say that. And I'm agreeing with her. Didn't realize I was agreeing with her. And she, she just kept saying, I'm not going to question God at what happened. I know she's with the Lord. And the Lord spoke to me in the moment. He said, why can't she ask me? He said, I'm the only one that knows what happened to her. Wow. And it settled in my heart again, like, oh, wait a minute. You actually do care. Even when something unexpected happens, as tragic as her losing a daughter, God still wants to speak to her in that moment about what happened. Yeah. And has a desire because it hurts her heart. It hurts his heart to know that, like, okay, I don't want you left in ignorance. 
I want to tell you, you know, the Bible says that you said that early in John 16, that when the spirit of God comes, he comes to lead us and guide us into all truth. And how many of you know that all truth is part of asking questions like that is part of leading us into all yeah. truth. Right. So anyway, back to with, um, 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 the engagement thing after he had told me that about uh, only being for a short time, I'm like, okay, well, I was like, what do you, what else do you want to say to me? And he said, <laughs> he said, good job. Oh, I said, good job. <laughs> I said, you ain't sitting there with a broken heart. Good job. I said, Lord, what do you mean? Good job. He said, you picked up and moved halfway across the country just because I told you to do it. Wow. Oh, it like, it makes me tear up a little bit now. He just showed me his heart and my heart and just wanting to be obedient to him and please him. And he said, this will serve. I'll never forget that. He said, this will serve as seed to secure your future. Wow. And I didn't realize it wasn't just the action that sowed the seed. It was me being in a place of learning how to depend on hearing God for everything and not being moved until I have his confirmation, yeah. his insight, his details. It doesn't mean that he doesn't. Brother Hagen used to call it like being led unaware. Um, uh, sometimes, you know, thoughts will come into your mind and you question those like, cause sometimes they're God too. Like you just think, well, I'm just randomly thinking of this, or maybe this is a good idea. That's probably the wisdom of God, but even still inquire in that and yeah. ask. And you, I learned all of that through that experience, you know, and it and was I like, crazy. One of the things I like that you learned too is, or that you're modeling to us is that there's still a question mark. It, it didn't happen. It's not going to happen. And so you thank have this God. thing. Yeah, thank God. It's not going to happen, but I think if, like a friend of mine who lives in this area who lost her husband, who, they were part of our church, and she lost her husband, and they had all these promises together, beautiful marriage, and he suddenly died in, in service to our church, and he suddenly died. He had a, a tragic accident, and I remember she was pastoring us through it. We should have been pastoring her, and she's just, is Gail here? Gail, are you here at all? I don't see that she's here. She Usually she's, at every, she's one of our partners and long-term, like a mom. And uh, Gail is, uh, she, she pastored us through it. And I remember at one point she goes, there's going to be a question mark for why God gave us so much promise that's unfulfilled that can't happen for me as a single woman because some of it, so much of it was like open a hospitality house, do incredible dinners for people, like do all this stuff. And she, and he was more the visionary of the dinners and the hospitality. She was more at the end of like the teaching and collaborating and gathering she goes, I don't feel these anymore. I don't even, it's like it was taken from me. Like the promise was taken from me. But my life, I still feel all my promise. I still feel everything's good. But she goes, there's so much that I'll have a question mark until eternity where it will be answered. But it, it doesn't hurt me to have the question mark. Like I'd still trust him because he's so good. And I feel like a lot of us have question marks over certain things that didn't work out. And you know you're mature when those question marks don't cause you pain anymore. It's true. Like, you know, you've matured in intimacy with God. And part of walking with God in the spirit and the prophetic is, and you're such a great role model of that is, is you went through severe pain on something that you really believed and you no longer look at it. It's not, it's just part of a story where it trains you and teaches you now, but it's not, it's not a debilitating story. And that's, and a lot of us here might have something that you really went after that's, it's still debilitating you or you're saying, I'm not willing to believe in you because you have that little dark voice on your shoulder that's saying, you know, it's not worth believing in because it leads to disappointment. And this is such a beautiful example of how 
you know, you might have some, I have a couple question marks of things that I thought were going to play out in my life that didn't. And I have so much good that did, that, and I'm so trusting towards God as a father that I'm like, one day you'll show me why. One day I'll understand this. You chose not to show me yet, but I still follow you because you're still worth it. And I think that that's important in the prophetic journey is that we're going to have those question marks at times, especially because we live in a very broken, fallen world. And even the best people I know have weaknesses, you know? So in conclusion, what, what is something as far as, what would you say to that kind of thing? Is there one kind of defining statement or is there anything else you want to talk about before we stop? Um, I think if anything, that God is leading all of us. He told me a, a, a couple of uh, months ago, um, he said, I'm sending, leading people out of religion into relationship. Yes. And I'm seeing that like so much now, like, because so many people, he told me this too as well. Uh, I was going somewhere uh, to preach. Um, I think I was going to Mozambique actually. And, um, um, as I was going there, um, uh, the Lord told me, he said, look out the window. And I looked and I saw this vision of people walking on the street and they were walking with their heads down. And, um, he said, do you know what they're looking for? I said, no. He said, they're looking for me. And I said, I believe that. And then he told me two things that I was like, whoa. He was like, Joseph, he said, I'm more than a healing line. He said, I'm more than a prophetic word. He said, I am first and foremost a father. And he said, most people know me through these experiences, which I use to show people who I am. He said, but most people don't know me as a real father. So good. And he showed me like, you know, being in atmospheres where we go, you know, conference goers and you know, I was in a service and um, this one prophetic guy was up there and he's prophesying. I'm like, yay, come on, Jesus. Secretly like, you know, trying to be whatever so he could prophesy over me. I know <laughs> nobody's ever been that way before, so I ain't going to ask for a show of hands. But um, I'm like, oh, Jesus, I love you. Let him call on me, please. Let him call on me. Um, and while I was doing that, um, the Lord told me, he said, do you know I'm the most neglected person in this room? Wow. I said, what? He said, everybody's looking for a man to talk for me. He said, most people don't hear me. They hear me through that man. He said, but I'm using the man. I was like, you're right, God. And he said, most people don't have real relationship with me. And I think the journey into words of knowledge, journey into exploring the prophetic, knowing God's secrets, the Bible says that he reveals those things to his friends. And that means those that are close to him, those that have real relationship with him. And so this past year, two years, whatever it's been, everywhere that I go to minister, even in our church here, we've been on a journey of going into what real relationship looks like with God so that we know, number one, that he's real, that he's a God and a father that loves to talk, especially between, I always say, midnight and five in the morning. I still don't get that. I'm like, God... That's amazing. One time he woke me up. He said, are you awake? I said, wouldn't you know if I'm awake? <laughs> yeah. I was like, because I said, and then I made a, I was like, remember, come and let us reason together. That's probably the theme of my whole time talking. I reasoned with him. I said, Lord, I love you. I do. And I love for you to talk. Just please not between midnight <laughs> and 5 a.m. And he hasn't. He's been, he's blessed me. Except the past couple of days. 
I've been waking up in the middle of the night. I'm like, God, hey, hey, God, wait a minute. Didn't didn't we have a reasoning together? But I know it's for another purpose. So anyway, he's leading us into real relationship. Okay, tell us how to get your book, how to get a hold of you. Where's your website? You can go on to uh, www.lovecenter.info. That's our church's website, and you can get all of our information from there. And um, um, the, all of the information is either at the product table or, uh, or, excuse me, at the information table in the back, or you can look us up on our website. Okay, for people who are listening for Exploring the Prophetic oh, oops. later on. No, it's okay. Yeah. We have both events here. Um, I'm going to encourage you to get the book, check out their services. If you're in the Maryland area, come visit. Bless you. This was a great interview. Thank you Thank so much. Thank you so much. It was so awesome. fun. Let's give him a hand. Hey, this is Sean Bowles, and I'm going to talk to you real quickly about our Bowles Ministries partnership program. This podcast is made by Bowles Ministries, and it's done because of partners and people who are supporting our ministry, who are equipping us to be able to bring this kind of a show to you. If you're loving hearing these interviews where people are sharing vulnerably about their process, which I think is one of the most powerful things we can do is hear each other's process about revelation. If you're loving this, please Don't only subscribe, don't only review, don't only tell your friends, but partner with us. Be part of the journey. Be part of the sending power of Bulls Ministries to get this message across the world. You guys can be part of our team. All you have to do is go to bullsministries.com, click on giving or partnership. And when you go there, you're going to be part of an incredible partnership community. We're going to resource you. We actually have partnership director who calls all of our partners once a year. We have resources that we send you. There's your very own special partner page with messages and videos that only you can have. But we need you to partner with us if you love this show so that we can actually take it into a whole nother level with the rest of season two, but also go into season three and beyond.